So today our gospel tells us of King Herod and John the Baptist and how John the Baptist's uh, decapitation came about. And I think, I noticed something maybe for the first time just reading over the the gospel today. The gospel doesn't reflect very well on Herod or Herodias or the daughter. All of them come out looking pretty bad, in fairness. Uh, So you have King Herod who takes his brother, his brother's wife, so his brother Philip, and he takes his wife. Okay, kind of a, your sister-in-law, that's a bit, bit gross, but look, I mean, it's, it's wrong. And uh, John the Baptist told him, he said, this is out of line, right? You can't, you can't do that. Now, John, Herod is, is, is fascinated by John the Baptist and is irritated by him at the same time. Okay, so on one hand, he, he likes to listen to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is, is like, this guy has, it, it basically, you know, in modern terms, he's, he's, a, he's a tramp or he's a kind of a homeless guy who lives, you know, out in the wilderness. I mean, you have no army, you have no influence, you have no power, you have no formal education. Like, who are you? And yet you're speaking to me, the most powerful man in this locality and maybe in my own head, most powerful man in the world, uh, telling me what I can and can't do. I should have you killed. But you're fascinating. <laughs> Where does this courage come from? Like, why are you doing this? Like, and then I, I would imagine as well that when John spoke, uh, what was evident wasn't just uh, like the, the rantings of a, uh, of a madman, but that there was, there's a deeper sense behind everything that he would have said. It's not, he's not just saying, you know, I hate you, therefore all you're doing is wrong. But he's saying, God, our God, is calling you to more. And what you're doing is against God's law. And what we want to do in this life is please God so that we can be with him for all eternity in heaven. So it's not just, as I say, random kind of rantings uh, of, of some religious fanatic. But I think Herod would have seen that John actually cared. And the reason he was saying these things, the reason he spoke uh, about how wrong it was for, for him to have his brother's wife uh, was because he actually cared. Okay, so that's Herod's perspective for, for a second. On to Herodias. Herodias now is an interesting character because this is the, 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 the reflection that I had today. When Herod makes this oath to, to Herodias' daughter after she danced the Macarena and uh, pleased them all, uh, after, after he made this oath, I will give you anything you want, Right? She goes to her mom to ask, what, you know, what should I ask for? He had promised half his kingdom. In, in one of the other synoptics, he promises half, half his kingdom if you wish. Right? So a huge amount of wealth, territory, power, influence, all of that. What's Herodias' request? John the Baptist's head on a dish. Now, there's something sadistic about that. It's not just, you know, okay, can we have him killed or exiled or something? Uh, but I want his head on a dish, on a platter. A nice little tray. I mean, you know, maybe some little garnish around it or something. Like, there's something really horrendous about that. But what's interesting is, why was Herodias, so the wife, Philip's wife, why wasn't she protesting, let me back to my husband, Philip? She wasn't. So it may well have been that Herodias is the one, not so much, not, not, it's not so much that Herod took Philip's wife, but Philip's wife, seeing that Herod was now the more the, 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 the alpha, the, 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 the most powerful man in the region, that she seduces him and ends up with him, that she leaves Philip 
because she's, she's clearly the angrier one here. She's, she wants uh, John the Baptist dead more than Herod does. So maybe it's actually Herodias who, uh, as I said, wasn't so much kind of passively taken by Herod, but actively pursues Herod because she wants to be with the, the top dog. So there's something kind of sin, there is something really sinister in that and something really sinister in her. Then, of course, the, the daughter, I mean, uh, we've no idea how old she was, or, but like, and maybe, maybe she wasn't in agreement with the idea of, of John the Baptist's head, but look, I mean, if that's what her mother asked for, maybe she didn't have a lot of choice. Okay, so we don't know really morally where she stood on the thing, but, but to look at, at Herodias just for a second. We have a, a powerful woman here who uses her influence and her, her, her charm and maybe, maybe her, her beauty, if she was, uh, uses her feminine genius to work her way up the ladder into this position of authority that she wanted. And to use that influence then to actually bring about the death of John the Baptist. Today on, on Saturday, we traditionally look at our Blessed Lady and her vocation, her role in the church. And just to compare like Herodias and Our Lady for just for a second, to see how like the feminine genius can work and how it can be used for great, great good and how it can be used for great destruction. Like Herodias obviously should never have left her, her own husband, could have lived a, a wonderful life there in relative affluence, I'm sure, and brought up her daughter to be a, a good God-fearing uh, Jewish girl she could have what's unsatisfying about that but she wanted more and her greed brings about betrayal in her marriage adultery and this, this murderous heart there's a, there's a real corruption of the soul there and you look at our blessed lady who lives in relative simplicity if not poverty gives her heart and soul to God loves her husband Joseph with such a pure and, and selfless giving love such an example to all women and to all mothers brings up Jesus in, uh, and contemplates all of these various revelations in her heart a woman of prayer a woman of purity a woman of service a woman though with, none of this means weakness None of this at all means in any way that <clears throat> she was inferior. This isn't in any way misogynistic. Like who were the courageous people at the foot of the cross? Who, like, being associated with Jesus, being associated with a man condemned to death was dangerous. So who's at the foot of the cross? Well, she is. And Mary Magdalene and John and the other Mary. So Our Lady has great strength in this purity in this virtue, virtuous way of, of, of living there's great power great strength true greatness not the kind of greatness that, that Herodias was, was murdering for and was, was making moral compromises in order to achieve Our Lady has great strength and something that uh, just really struck me reading this today and just uh, thinking about uh, various uh, situations in, in, in my own priesthood recently to see the, the power of what we would call it in my community spiritual motherhood where for priests when, there's, when there are people who, who accompany the priests as, as friends 
and support the priest. Listen to him. Ask him, is he okay? Pray for him most especially. What an absolute gift that is. I have a friend who occasionally sends me a little message and it's, 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 she just has a, 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 an amazing way of phrasing it. She'll ask me, Father Patrick, how are you doing? I usually say, grand, yeah, fine. Because <laughs> that's what I have to say, regardless of how I am. And then she'll say, yeah, I know you're not. Um, what can I pray for? What can I pray for? And it's such a, such a beautiful question because she's not looking for information. She's not, looking for, she's not digging for, you know, what's the, the, the latest scandal or what's happening. Is there anything you want me to pray for? You know, like, and then it, 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 it also, it's, a, it's a very good question to reflect on also for ourselves, for any of us. <clears throat> what do I want from God? Because you might say, oh, I just want to get this, this, this contract finished. I just want to get this, this week over. I just want to get this you know, uh, exam finished. I just want to get this, this course done. I want to get, want to get this uh, job promotion interview. I want to get, get all that sort. Now, yeah, yeah, hold on a second. What do you really want? What do you really want? Or more importantly, what do you really need? Like, is it, I just want peace. I just want to be able to forgive. I just want to be able, I just want to stop running from everything in my past that I'm just keeping busy and busy and busy and busy just so I don't have to think about it. And that's, it's, it's driving me, it's driving my health into the ground, it's driving my mental health into the ground, it's, it's wrecking my relationships because I'm constantly running from my past. I want peace. And in order to get that, I need, I need reconciliation. Lord, that's, that's what I need. It's not about the next contract, the next job. No, all of that's just a continuation of the same running that I've been doing for years. What do you really want? What do you really need? Such a great question. But such a great question from, as I say, a, like a spiritual mother. Someone then who, a, 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 a woman who, who, who uses her, that feminine genius and, and, and sensitivity and listening ear. But not like, like, like Herodias for destruction, but for good, for building up, for healing. What can I do for you? Is there anything you need? What can I pray for for you? That's such, such a gift for a priest, such a gift to have. As even yesterday, uh, St. Jean Vianney, uh, the Curie of Ars, in his, <clears throat> in his biographies, they always speak about the various uh, ladies that <clears throat> he worked with in Ars to, to start uh, La Providence, the, the, this providence, the providence it's called, this uh, orphanage uh, which was started because of the French Revolution, then Napoleon's wars, there were lots of orphans in poverty, so he started this, this uh, like an orphanage, a home for them. And this, with uh, a number of, of ladies, he, he experienced that real kind of spiritual motherhood there as well. Such beautiful, wholesome, holy friendship. So today we pray in a particular way for, for priests. I guess I have this on my mind because uh, tomorrow I'm leaving for my own priest retreat. Uh, so, and just the, the spiritual accompaniment of priests I think is so, so important. Priests uh, carry a lot, they hear a lot, and they have huge responsibility before God. So they do need help. They need help. And I think the reality of spiritual motherhood <coughs> is a great gift which will be discovered or rediscovered in, in the church. To pray with and pray for priests, to accompany them as as mothers, and this in my own life, actually, I've experienced that from even from women who are younger than me, and they can be kind of like a spiritual mother to me, just praying for me and supporting me. 
It's such a gift, such a gift. So we ask the Lord today to renew the priesthood through the prayers of spiritual mothers. And that priests may be supported and loved and protected and cared for by these wonderful hearts inspired by the example of our Blessed Lady. Amen.